Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. Tonight, Godzilla and Ghidorah are in a revenge parade. Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other will have two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam from Infant Island, Thomas. And I am Thomas Mothriani. Ah. Uh... That was really well done. Because I glide like Mothra through the skies. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, but we have another kaiju monster coming in with us here. Uh, with a purposeful grimace and a terrible sound, Sam Bertuxen returns for his record fourth round. Sam, how are you doing? I'm here to kick ass and chew radioactive towers, and I'm all out of radioactive towers. That, that might be a problem, Sam. I think you, you might have some sort of cancer at this point. Yeah, you might want to go see somebody. Yeah, I, I assume that maybe if I imitate art, then art becomes reality. And art became cancer. Well, yeah, but, but you would assume it's like, oh, I'm going to grow to like Kaiju says. It's like, no, you're going to die of a horrible, painful, slow death. I'm just going to die. I'm not going to become <laughs> the 50-foot Sam Bertuxen. I'm going to become the 5-foot the dish in the ground. Danny DeVito? <laughs> That's what we all ultimately become at the end, right? Yeah. We become Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. There are worse ways to go out. Anyway, so Sam, we have you on here uh, because you've been on, like I said, three previous times. And in those three previous times, we talked about how you're a pretty big expert at stuff like cinematic simians and Star Wars, of course. Dinosaurs. Yes. I know you are also a major fan, obviously, in reference to the dinosaur thing, especially of Kaiju. And we decided to have you on here because we're doing Godzilla films in honor of Godzilla King of the Monsters is coming out. Uh, and are we excited, Sam, for that? Ah, uh, nah, not at all. No, I don't see you well, post every single day about no, it. No, no, I don't. I don't say. I don't say shit about it. That Seth Rogen movie. That, that that's you know, that's big. <laughs> the long shot. The long shot. Is that even out already? I it's been out for like two weeks. I think. Oh, oh, okay, well, there you go. Um, But, Sam, you're a huge fan of Godzilla. Where did that stem from? Honestly, it stemmed from, like, around the time when Jurassic Park came out, and Jurassic Park was such a huge influence on me growing up. But it wasn't just that. It was also my mixture of that and watching, like, Destroy Monsters, Godzilla's Revenge. Um, It was this properly time-blossoming into what became, like, one of the biggest cultural things I was into around the time, and it kept growing and growing, just like uh, my, my big old lizard pal, Thomas Mariani, of course, I meant. <laughs> yes. I keep growing and growing. It's a problem. <laughs> um, but, admittingly, Adam, you, on the reverse, uh, talked about it at the end of our last episode where we did our picks, um, despite Godzilla being a huge sort of figure since 1954 when he premiered in the original mm-hmm. Gajira, uh, you weren't really aware of the individual films. You hadn't seen as many, right? Right. I'm aware of most of them. I've heard of, like, probably of all of them just from being involved in the horror genre 
you know, be it through writing or going to conventions or reading the magazines or whatever. But I have not seen nearly as many as I thought I have. I think there are several of them that I've believed that I've seen just because of reading about them, like Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla or Space Godzilla or any of those. Both were fresh watches for me, and after watching these two, I went and started watching um, some of the other ones that are available on Prime, and I got a lot of research to do. I'm sort of like the middle ground between you two gentlemen, where I'd seen probably about half of the Godzilla movies to some degree, many of which were thanks to Sam in previous sort of watching sessions. I ended up being because I have the Criterion channel uh, streaming service. So hotty toddy. Yes, of course, I could be watching more Godard, but instead I'm watching <laughs> Godzilla. <laughs> that, that's what I've been doing. Uh, and I've been watching a lot of the Showa era Godzilla movies, and what's so fascinating, despite the big production around them, the huge monster suits, the elaborate sets of, like, all these cities that are being torn down. Um, I love how sort of weirdly improvised and by the seat of the pants they are, with especially the fight sequences. There's just so much earnest, weird, bizarre energy in the best ones. In the worst ones, there's stock footage of those earlier moments mm-hmm. awkwardly spliced in. Uh, which yeah. We, we'll be talking about tonight because uh, we have our two movies, and we have our good pick, and our bad pick that we picked at the end of our last episode, where our good pick is uh, the 1964 film Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster. And then for our bad pick, we have the 1969 film Godzilla's Revenge, which our first two films from the 60s. So uh, we're breaking this decade open with two Godzilla pictures. Yep, we are all about nostalgia on this one. All about it, even though the second title, the, the, the subtitle, All Monsters Attack, is a straight-up lie. We're going to talk about how many various different fucking titles these movies have in just a second. So let's get to our first title of, I think, five titles for this movie. Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster. Oh, nothing the screen has ever shown before can surpass the thrills of Ghidra, the Three-Headed Monster. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. Ghidra, the three-headed monster, battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. All new, all never to be forgotten, a new high in screen terror, Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, a.k.a., and I'm going to run through all these goddamn titles right now that we have listed, Godzilla vs. Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, a.k.a. the Three Giant Monsters colon the Greatest Battle on Earth, a.k.a. Monster on Monsters, Ghidorah, a.k.a. Earth's Greatest Battle, a.k.a. Ghidorah the Trifalic Monster? It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume Tricephalic. Either way, it's, it's very uh, interesting. Yeah, these are all various different titles from either American re-releases or other country re-releases that are, I'm assume, badly translated on IMDb. I like monsters on monsters. That sounds so dirty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Good old monster on monster action. Exactly. Trisphalic action. <laughs> yes, um, and this came out in December of 1964 in Japan, and then in September of 1965 in the U.S. It's directed by Hishiro Honda, who directed both of our features. It's rare that that happens for something that's not based around a director on our show. Uh, but he also directed, I believe, about, like, seven of these Godzilla movies in the Showa era, since the original, right, Sam? Yep, he directed them, um, and he's had a good handful of them. And then, uh, the, I believe the co-director, uh, Superaya, went off to do his own thing, obviously, um, with Ultraman and such. 
And uh, that, but that's, you know, that partnership kind of led to splitting off into different avenues, uh, one of which is the tokusatsu genre, and the other one is the, the kaiju genre. Right, and can you explain the difference between those two? Well, basically, tokusatsu is basically like a superhero, right? It's like a giant, um, like Ultraman, for example, is all about a man wearing a latex suit. Um, and then, of course, the kaiju stuff is your Godzillas, your, your, your Gorgos, your Gamoras. Especially your Gorgos. Right, and of course those would end up sort of crossing streams once you get to, like, the one where Jit Jaguar shows up. And he's got yes. Movies. Yes. So, um, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster is the fifth Godzilla film overall, um, and is technically a direct sequel to Mothra vs. Godzilla. Mothra vs. Godzilla actually only came out about, like, nine months before this movie came out in Japan. That's insane. I know. But, like, that was such a huge success. They're like, oh, fuck, new one. Uh, make it a direct sequel and also create a new monster, which this is the first appearance of King Ghidorah, who is the three-headed dragon that has sort of become, like, the big villain for Godzilla to fight, usually, right, Sam? Yeah, it's generally the big shoe-in for, like, your first feature films, because ever since then, he showed up several times. He didn't show as many as I, I previously thought, because he showed up in that, showed up in Destroy Monsters, is obviously the big villain, and then he showed up again in Godzilla versus Gigan. Um, but whenever he showed up, there was always the big thing. It's just like, oh, Ghidorah, this is a mysterious three-headed dragon creature that came. From, they either came from space or came from an alien race that made him, or just like they found him in space in some sort of dumpster behind a space Seven Eleven or whatever. Like it's it's weird. It gets it gets kind of mixed up at a certain point what his origins are. But the point is, he's there. He's a big bad, and you know what he's about. Right, and he's like the first one that actually came from space. As opposed to from a mysterious island or due to our own meddling in nature. He's like, just like, no, nah, fuck, he's an alien. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he just comes down. And this, I would say, obviously the original Gajira is technically, I would say, the best made of sort of these era Showa movies. And probably the most consistent one. But at the same time, if you want sort of a trilogy of movies that could sort of represent the Showa era at its best silliness, it's King Kong versus Godzilla, then Mothra versus Godzilla, and then, of course... Would you agree with that, Sam? Yeah, I, I absolutely um, absolutely would agree. It's not just the silly behavior of these monsters. It's also the character and personality that's added to them as well. That's the big deal about it. It's just not It's not just a bunch of, like, people say, oh, it's men in suits just fighting each other. But there's more to it than just that, obviously. There's there's a reason why you you are so fascinated with watching Godzilla beat the shit and kind of troll King Kong around in, in that movie, right? Otherwise, why would you even bother, despite the fact that there are two big properties around the time? Same goes for Mothra, who's obviously this big deity, but obviously has a, an important role to play um, and has this lavish sort of, like, supernatural aura about her in those movies. And Ghidorah is is just there as kind of like a big bad, but as a big bad, he, he does his job. I say well enough to warrant him being that central villain. But you know what? Uh, this was... Adam's pick, and Adam, uh, I believe uh, you hadn't uh, seen this one before, right? That is correct. And uh, what'd you think of Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster? I think it is a wild fucking movie, man. There's just so much going on in here, especially for someone like me who's not that versed. Like, when the little people from Infant Island showed up and started, you know, Mothra! Like, what the fuck is going on? Then the Venus Princess, and then the, like, fucking hitman from venus trying to kill her i mean this was just insanity but it all worked together like none of it felt like this is just too off the wall it just totally made sense in this universe i really thoroughly enjoyed it i i absolutely loved it the suits especially rodan looked 
pretty rough. But other than that, I mean, I think it's a fun, fun movie, man. Like I said, this made me want to go back and watch all the ones I haven't seen. In reference to the Suits thing, um, when we get to like later movies in the Showa era, that's where you really start to see the seams literally tearing apart. Like I was watching Godzilla vs. Gigan, and I was like, oh man, you can literally see little strings coming off of Godzilla's underarms. Like the suit's completely dilapidated <laughs> at a certain point. It's It gets like a lot worse in that regard. Yeah. But, but no, I think what Sam especially was talking about with like the personality of these creatures really comes to light in like these three movies I was talking about and especially I think in Ghidorah where there's a whole sequence that involves basically Rodan and Godzilla fucking around with each other and then Mothra comes in and sprays them with silk at one point doing so to Godzilla and Rodan laughs and then doing the same to Rodan and then Godzilla does like a belly laugh and he just like gets on the ground (laughs) kneeling over that's so charming and so interesting and it really doesn't dear you more to these giant monsters yeah, at the same time, also, it shows a bit more complexity where, like, Mothra is trying to talk to them about, like, hey, we should save the humans, and it's translated through our two little um, twins that are Mothra's keepers, basically. I love the fact that they're they're trying to goad Godzilla and Rodan into doing this, and they have such a nihilistic attitude about, like, nah, fuck humans. We just want to fuck around and, like, play volleyball with the boulders. Mm-hmm. Well, well with, with Godzilla, Godzilla has a, a somewhat justified reason as to why he feels that way. But, like, Rodan's just an asshole. Rodan is just there because he's a prick, he's an asshole, he's kind of like the Steve Buscemi of the three. Just all around, just prick, and he loves being a prick. And that's honestly what makes Rodan so uh, charming from a certain perspective. I just also like the fact that these monsters have these personalities, and at the same time it contrasts with the humans who are, like, really willing to go along with it. I love how these human characters are just like, oh, they're talking? Sure. That makes sense. But are they going to save everybody? (laughs) This universe and how they're just so fine with what's going on. Like, the opening bit of this being like, oh, that weird game show about like, hey kids, what celebrity do you want to meet? Mothra. Oh, we can't get Mothra, but we have her two twin guardians here who can sing her into existence. Yeah, yeah. I love that so much because it's not just, it, it not, it's not the fact that it works within the movie, but it's the fact that, like, they were previously set up in, in, like, the original Mothar where they were taken from their island and their captors were like, we're going to put you on a show for you. You're going to make this big show. We're going to make tons of box off of it. And I got spearheaded off of that into this movie where they're actually involved in the show and they're trying to, like, be more involved with humanity and stuff and being more of the heralds of uh, of Mothra. They're her PR team. Basically. Mothra says don't let her. <laughs> right. Mothra has a huge rider and you don't want to fuck with Mothra at this point. But like Adam, I didn't want to ask like, were you at all confused at this point when they're just talking about like, oh yeah, Mothra had two offspring and one of them died and all sorts of stuff. Did that like kind of bother you going into this? No, not really, man. I mean, because I kind of just went with the flow. Like I said, I know that, but then again, I already kind of knew the history of the movies. I knew Godzilla vs. Mothra was before this, so I just assumed that that was, I was able to piece it together pretty easy. This is not the movie to sit there and like, what does this mean? Like, pick it apart. You just kind of got to go along for the ride and just sort of enjoy it at face level, you know what I mean? And then maybe read more into the subtext, but just watch it and enjoy it. Right, yeah, from the moment sort of that airplane sequence happens yeah. where the princess looking out the window and sees a comet that is Ghidorah coming down and then she instantly becomes a Venus alien which I guess is like is the implication that she was actually someone from descended from Venus and forgot about her history and now woke 
the Venus personality I in her. I guess. Right? It's all a big mystery. Woo. <laughs> but that doesn't matter at the same time, because then she becomes a fucking newsie from Venus. Which I love yep. her stupid outfit. <laughs> Looks yeah. And how she, everyone is just like, oh, look at this silly woman going around saying she's from Venus. Um, but she has this total determination. That actress, to her credit, um, this is going to be the first of many Japanese names I mispronounce on this show. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to try. Akiko uh, Wakabayashi? Yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. Right. For sure. Um, I, I love her sort of stone-faced demeanor. Like, she's doing some, like, weird Clint Eastwood vibes. When she's just, like, staring down people and shit. I, I think she's a delight to watch whenever she shows up and is especially so cold-hearted. And, like, when the assassins show up and she's just, like, completely stone-faced during any of that. I, that just sort of, once again, ability where people are just like, sure, she's from Venus, okay. Let's get her out of here. <laughs> easily, I, I say easily steals the show in the entire movie. Not, that's not a bad thing, considering I think most of the performances in the movie are, are pretty charming. And coming from someone who always keeps hearing, like, well, like, in terms of acting tier lists, the original Gojira, like, has some of the best performances and has the best performance from Sarazawa. And that's not really true, considering that the, sh- the later Shore era one, especially in Godzilla vs. Mothra, has some great performances. And this one especially, I-, I-, I wouldn't say this rivals that, but I'd say this is a really good performance that works within the context of the movie. I think what works, too, is with Godzilla movies, the human stuff can often be a crapshoot. It often can just be like, oh, the Godzilla and his fellow kaiju are attacking. Meanwhile, the humans are like having an island adventure <laughs> or... Something in name that you don't give a shit about versus the stuff with the humans here is so consistently entertaining, which is like, all right, they got to help this Venus lady and they're with the Peanuts, which is the name of the duo that plays the two Mothra twins. Um, they got to help them out. And also there's assassins, like you mentioned, Adam, which the assassins are my favorite characters just because so much horrible kaiju stuff is going on around them and they are dedicated to their mission. Oh, yeah. They don't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, there's literally crumbling around that one guy and he's got like a hunting rifle. That is the other thing that I didn't realize until I, I rewatched the, these movies they were on where it's just like initially I was just like, well, that's stupid. Why isn't he paying attention toward a rubble falling off of him? And I'm just like, well, these are this is already a world that's established like gets a lot of text. Tokyo almost every month now. Like this is this is just like as common as it is like any sort of natural disaster that's expected to happen. So like I take it in that regard and looking through it through that sort of lens in, in honesty, it's just like, yeah, I'd believe it that these assassins know their way around Godzilla and whatever happens happens, but they're just dedicated to that job. It's like mild earthquakes in Los Angeles. It's yeah, like, oh, it's a Godzilla day again. <laughs> Would you agree, Sam? This is the most consistent human stuff compared to most of the other Godzilla movies. I'd say Godzilla's Mothra has that beat. But the thing is, like, Godzilla has a strong history of like when, when it's done right. Like the female uh, protagonists uh, are always like the big standout performances. With that one, with all monsters attack, with Godzilla gets made Godzilla. Like, there's always like a strong female performance that resonates and like and a strong emotional depth to it. Like. In that movie, what I love the most is just, like, the the uh, the, the woman reporter in that movie is, is just like, look, I know your island's important, but if we don't at least try to band together, then we might as well be useless. And that's a, that's the big thing about the early show stuff, and it's why I I prefer this in Godzilla's Mother over the original. And that's a great movie, but for me, tonally and thematically, like, I love the, the perseverance of humanity and trying to band together in order to find a resolution and coexist rather than just it being 
Like, don't, don't get me wrong, like, the message in Godzilla is very strong, but I think it's just a matter of how you personally feel about what thematic element works in those movies. Yeah, either to band together or to get your hit on. Yeah. Adam, what would you say is your favorite moment of the monsters in suits? I really, really did enjoy when they're in the doctor's lab, and then the shit starts crashing down, and there's a door out there with the basically, like, the lightning lasers shooting out of his mouth, and he's just destroying shit. I love that part. But, man, did I love... Anytime they showed the, you know, the slug Mothra and all the people praying to him and then the girls are singing to him and she slowly works her way down the cliff and then slowly crawls. And then, I mean, that just killed me. I thought it was so funny. That and then Rodan flying around Godzilla and it's like, for some reason, he makes the sound of a jet. That's the other weird, weird thing about the movie that I love that got carried from Rodan. Because in Rodan, they were trying to make a comparison. Like, Rodan's faster than an average F7 jet. And, like, they proved that by having him, like, make, like, airline clouds in the sky, right? Even though he's, like, a giant pterodactyl. So it's just like, how is that made possible? But it's because he's really fast and could do that. And they brought that over to this movie. And that's another small detail that I really really enjoyed well yeah, and you mentioned even that like mothra and rodan had appeared in their own sort of spin-off movies before coming into the godzilla universe as it were and i love the fact that it, it kind of mirrors the universal monsters where toho was just like ah we're bringing back godzilla do we have him fight Angerus again and don't we have like mothra and rodan yeah let's do it another great moment for me with rodan and godzilla fighting each other is when rodan picks up godzilla and then drops him on that fucking electrical tower. Oh, yeah. Right on the dick. Right on his crotch. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> that's not a good time. Well, it's weird. Like, Godzilla's crotch gets a lot of abuse because later on, Ghidorah hits her, the lightning bolts directly at his crotch again. Like, he is suffering. It's, I'm surprised he had a child later. Oh, maybe it's just that's like... the problem. <laughs> uh, yeah as seen later in, in uh, son of godzilla you won't know why you understand why like kids gravitate so much toward these movies because like they're depicted as kind of like immature and very much childish in their certain way except for mothra mothra is the only one who's actually like sure doesn't have speed doesn't have power on her side but she has the ability to think and logically work her way through fights she is the maternal figure yes whereas the rest are just doing off doing their own thing destroying buildings and stuff and complaining to mom that rodan stole my my cheerios that's literally what that scene is just like you guys gotta stop fighting and help the humans like but we don't wanna i don't wanna (laughs) <laughs> this series deals a lot with bullying as we'll get into in our next feature <laughs> oh. but um what would you say is another great moment for you sam with these monsters and suits another underrated moment that we haven't talked about you mentioned the volleyball fight that happens early on right when you see that scene happens that could have been like oh well clearly they're just tossing a giant rocket at each other but there's actual effort put into like that scene. There's actual like you can tell the the the, the actors in, in those suits actually put work into that to at least like choreograph how that would work. Even though there's obvious limits to to doing stuff in that suit, but like there's there's a lot of care into like making a silly scene work and have it feel fun and have it feel like I keep saying this word a lot, but charming. And but that's very that's very much the case with this movie. And that's why it works so much is because of that. It also helps that like you have scenes where Rodan is just bobbing his head up and down a lot, and like he's obviously like a big jokester, 
kind of just is out there just to laugh at other monsters and stuff. The thing about Ghidorah is that um, I understand he's like a big iconic villain, but I think the one thing I will say that's consistent with the show era Ghidorah is just like Ghidorah just is is there to serve uh, just the one role. And I think he doesn't do it badly, but I don't think he does it enough to where it's just like, oh, Ghidorah, he's he's so terrifying. He actually means some. He's just kind of there. It's to be a sort of a bully to people who are saying that Godzilla is just nothing more than a giant monster and that these giant monsters don't mean to anything because they're not characters. I think you have to take into account that when you're young and watching movies, that especially from my perspective, you're not seeing them as giant, just, just giant monsters. You're seeing them something more than that. You're seeing them as uh, just somewhat mishandled this quote, but like in Godzilla's revenge, you don't see them as like monsters. You see them as deities in a certain way. And I think that speaks more volume to how well these characters uh, were, were made and constructed in these movies as opposed to like any other 50s era giant monster movie where a Gila monster attacks a city it's like it's a fucking Gila monster like what what is there to this or a giant insect like a giant ant and like there's kitsch value to this nothing else though is happening in this fucking movie it's boring it's drab and there's no personality to it whereas like these movies have that personality they have that strive to try and do something more with these monsters and have them be more than the symbolism they were construed to with that original Gojira. And now I think that's what makes this movie so beautiful. Well, well, yeah, I mean, what I like about Ghidorah especially here is that they sell the threat of Ghidorah before Ghidorah ever sets foot on, you know, land to destroy a city. When he flies over that pagoda and just the strength of him flying over it causes it to dismantle. Like, that immediately sells the threat of Ghidorah without ever having him set on foot on land. And I think that's a great example of, like, how you can do that without doing the traditional Godzilla tropey stuff. But at the same time, you can have fun with that when, like, when all three of those guys are just beating the shit out of Ghidorah, that's a lot of fun. Just, like, Godzilla's fucking doing some wrestling moves and shit, just punching the shit out of his heads. So, so well done. And that team attack with uh, a Mothra being mounted on Rodan as, like, a Gatling gun? (laughs) Yeah. That works so well. And, and just also the fact that, like, all, all the work that's being put into that you mentioned, like, with Ghidorah, the guy in the suit, uh, Shiroshi Hiros, um, I, uh, spent hours hunched over inside of the Ghidorah costume, and he had to hold, like, a crossbar for support, while people were up atop in the rafters, like, manipulating the heads with yeah. the wires. That's insane. That's what I'm talking about. It's it's not just people have to be put in the suits. It's the work from the people who are up on the ceiling, who have to control the wires, it's the fact that, like, you have to be careful if you're going underwater or being, like, if there's uh, pyrotechnics, t- technicians on, on stage and stuff doing their own thing. Like, there's so much involved here and there's so much dedication. You know, it's not just the, the fight itself. It's what's built around that fight. Yep, that's exactly what interested me back when Pee-wee ran to the Sovac Godzilla movie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yep, that's probably when I first was like, what is this? Well, no, I knew what Godzilla was, but when I saw Ghidorah and stuff, I'm like, oh, I gotta watch these movies. And then clearly I didn't, so I'm a liar. Pee-wee failed you. Yeah, Pee-wee failed us all. I keep forgetting that Sir Burton is somewhat of a closet Kaiji fan, because there's that, and there's that scene in Frank and Weedy yes. with the giant Gamera. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Ultimate Ghidorah works so much and luckily like if you want to just stop at Ghidorah you totally could and, you, and it's totally its own self-contained thing maybe you're interested in like weird space culty stuff that happens or like the weird assassination stuff in the movie like there's so much going on here that there's going to be something for you 
I think we can serve that as your final thoughts here, Sam. And what about Adam, your final thoughts on Ghidorah, the three-headed monster? I pretty much agree with what Sam just said. I I think this is just a balls-to-the-wall, crazy, fun movie. The princess steals the show. Great kaiju action. Real good sense of nostalgia. I mean, I just think this is just a fun, fun movie. And I don't think that you'd be lost if you hadn't seen any of the previous. I think this is a really good jumping-in point if you know anything about Godzilla. I think you'd be fine with this one. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I would say short of the original Godzilla, um, but also uh, I think a super underrated one that Sam introduced me to and I love it, is uh, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant All-Out Monsters Attack, which is a more recent one. Um, it's like This is like my third in the overall Godzilla pantheon, because this is so much fun. It has that sort of sensibility, like I said, where it feels sort of improvised, but also like they're still following the continuity. This is the first time Godzilla's presented it all in like an heroic light, and it sort of starts an arc from here, where he would become from, you know, like the big representation of atomic horror in the original movie to eventually becoming sort of the savior. To become, yeah, to become our savior. This is the beginning point where Godzilla starts from mildly evil to becoming neutral. And then slowly, once he gets his son, and then once he, like, starts, you know, socializing with the other giant monsters on Monster Island, he starts to become more and more empathetic in a, in a certain way and becomes the the hero later on in, in uh, the show era. And I, and I love that. Yeah, so to keep going with my final thought, um, I, I really enjoy <laughs> No, I, I really dig this one a lot. It's Especially with just the fact that, like, even the weird continuity thing of the main three heroes here are the same main three human characters in Mothra the versus Ghidorah, but they're not the same characters, it's just the same actors. And initially I was just kind of like, oh wait, yeah, they're not the same people, but also I don't give a shit because it's still just, like, a lot of fun even having these repertory players come in and doing crazy things here with, you know, fighting assassins and this Venus princess lady. It's it's nuts, but in a way that's endearingly nuts. But um, maybe not as endearingly nuts is um, our second feature, Godzilla's Revenge. Fighting amongst each other for the conquest of our planet. See the giant spiders spin their web of fear around their enemies. Godzilla's revenge knows no limit. No end. No stopping. See man's last attempt at saving humanity from destruction. And Godzilla's revenge. What's he revenging for? I don't know. That's a great question, Sam, as we don't know what revenge he's seeking, really. Um, and this is, as I mentioned, it's Godzilla's Revenge, or All Monsters Attack, or Minya Son of Godzilla, or All Monsters on Parade, or Attack All Monsters, or Godzilla, Minya, Gabra, All Monsters Attack, or Great Charge of All Monsters. Or Disney Slice Parade, Monster Parade. Do any of those titles make any more sense, though, than Godzilla's Revenge? Monster I just wanted Parade. to be called Giant Condor. <laughs> well, that's what a lot of people wanted, including myself. Yeah. The underrated MVP of the entire Godzilla franchise is Giant Condor, the most creatively named one. Right. You know exactly what you're going to get. <laughs> I find hilarious that, like, almost all of the classic monsters returned for fucking Final Wars, except for Giant Condor. No one cared about Giant Condor. <laughs> that's why Sam dislikes that movie so much. I don't blame him. 
That's bullshit. <laughs> I just love in this sequence where the little kid has to name off all the monsters, like, oh, there's uh, Manya or Eber and all these other things. Just Giant Condor is the finale of that I name. Know. <laughs> That's your punctuation <laughs> mark is Giant Condor. Giant Condor! Like, <laughs> so? <laughs> That's the equivalent of saying uh, Manda, the, the serpent from Atragon, uh, Baragon, the monster from Frankenstein Congress of the Mer- World, and then Bird. <laughs> bird. Oh, yes. Pigeon. <laughs> Giant Condor, cousin of Big Bird. Because <laughs> of Big Bird. <laughs> just, just plaster Big Bird into this movie and be way more, way more interesting. Yes, uh, so... This is um, the 1969 film that came, uh, in terms of Godzilla films, this is the 10th one. This is right after Destroy All Monsters, which many would argue was sort of the initial start of a finale for these movies. Because around this time, they weren't that popular amongst audiences. But Destroy All Monsters was actually super successful. So they rushed this into production and came out about a year later. Um, If you had told me one of these came out nine months after a previous Godzilla movie, this is the one I would have assumed. A hundred and ten percent. If you would have said three months, I'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Because this is mostly made up of stock footage, which was a thing that happened a lot in these movies sort of later in the Showa era. Supposed to Destroy All Monsters, that's when it like really kicked in. Um, I think the only one that's exempt for that is probably Hedorah, because I don't remember that much stock footage. Because nothing else from those earlier movies would fit in Godzilla vs. Hedorah. So, this kid is just dreaming all this shit. Yeah. So, there's no real point to this movie. It's a coming-of-age story that's about a monster island, but it's not really about monster island. It's about this kid trying to confront bullies. And then there's burglars? Yep. <laughs> well, and a toy maker right yeah, toy maker. Well, this movie despite clearly aiming toward children is what's the word incredibly depressing like everything about the kid's life is so sad where he gets beaten up by boys all the time and he's a latchkey kid and his parents have to work all the time to meagerly support their small little apartment they live in and he has to receive some sort of guidance from this toy maker but he mostly divulges into fantasy where he dreams of hanging out with Minya, his only friend, this is his dream relationship with the fucking son of Godzilla. Can't relate to all of this, by the way. <laughs> is that is that what you might be the biggest defender, Sam, is you slightly relate a bit more to our child protagonist here of Ichiro? Minya tells me to fight my own battles, and guess what? I'm fighting my battle against Godzilla's revenge, and I'm gonna say I don't hate it as much anymore. <laughs> That's my battle. Oh. So this kid just divulges into fantasy, which... Brought up my theory. I brought this up to Sam before we recorded. I don't think this takes place in a world where Godzilla is a real figure. I don't think so either. Thank I don't you. think so either. Because this kid, he says a couple different n- names. Like, even, like, can we go to Sea Monster Island? And they're like, Monster Island? What? They have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Well, I would argue they know what he's talking about, but it's more in the way of, like, Godzilla's, like, a pop culture figure. Like, Monster Island. It's like, yeah, that I could see. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the movie's dismay. It is incredibly ambiguous how they're referring to Monster Island. And there's no, there's, and there's nothing in the background that's plastered showing you the world building and something that, and stuff that's been happening in the background with Godzilla. So you wouldn't have any clue if this was, like, just in this kid's head, or if this was actually a real thing that took 
place in this world. Like the the events of Straw Monsters happen or whatever. The only vague reference is like there's a point where he's talking to his like little friend who's kind of his friend, but also she abandons him all the time. <laughs> Anytime boys come around, and he says like, "Oh, that car makes noise like Menia because it makes that same donkey noise that the fucking son of Godzilla makes." All and the time. it's like, no, it doesn't. You liar. You haven't seen him around. Yeah, it sounds almost like Menia is a santa claus type figure like no that's not real you didn't see him anywhere the thing is that's the most interesting thing to me about this movie because it weirdly feels like an unintentionally meta movie about a kid who is so devoid of any parental influence that he has to divulge to fucking giant monsters to have some sort of parental influence in his life it's super sad but also just like did charlie kaufman watch this movie and get inspired (laughs) as a child you know what i'd agree with you that it's super sad until the last, like, 20 seconds of this movie, and I'm like, man, fuck this kid. Uh, yeah. Well, no, th- okay, we'll get to that, because that just underscores the tragedy of this movie so everything. much more. <laughs> I mean, it changes the- everything. You're like, wait a minute. Aw, <laughs> oh, fuck that kid. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. We'll get into that in a second, for sure. But, um, yeah, so the only kaiju stuff that happens is either stock footage or these new sequences that were the dream of this kid. And you can tell the difference between what was new and what wasn't, because the Godzilla design changes from, like, shot to shot at certain points. And it's mostly taken from um, either Destroy All Monsters, or Son of Godzilla, or Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster with Ebera, the giant crab creature. And also from, actually, a non-Godzilla kaiju movie called King Kong Escapes. Which, if you haven't seen, that's also a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really fun movie. But that was a crazy ass pull for Gorosaurus. Like, I was like not expecting. The one mild credit I'll give for that is like they know exactly when to splice them in, those, those clips in, to make it feel like yeah, this is all part of the same island, even though it clearly isn't. Because there's a certain point where Godzilla's fighting Ebra out in the water, and I'm just like, it, it's clearly it's, it's established that these monsters, after Troll monsters, are kind of coexisting at this point. I mean, sure they do are their own thing, but they're kind of just they're on this island just chilling. Yeah, um, except when planes randomly come around and don't have any reinforcements after Godzilla destroys them. <laughs> uh, yeah, just it's like like I'm sure Monster Island was protected at this point by the government because why would you be attacking this uh, this island? But whatever. It's unfortunately the biggest example I can think of of how Toe kind of is just like it was so money hungry around that time post Destroy Monsters because Destroy Monsters was this huge hit. And then after this, they were just like, we got King and Godzilla films. And that's how we led to something from this to Terra Mega Godzilla was because of that. That's why you see so much reused stock footage and why the script feels flimsy. Right, it's such a bummer that this and then Terra Mega Godzilla are the last two that Jishiro Honda actually directed. Yeah, it's 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 sad because like, you can tell he obviously had bigger ideas to do with, with those ones. And that's why I honestly, I have more respect for conceptually what the... Godzilla's Revenge tried to go for at the very least because Godzilla's Revenge is very much about a kid who was very much into Godzilla and is trying to relate to him through the eyes of his son uh, Minya. But the issue is that like it gets very muddled and then they introduce the burglars and it, it by the end it's like he doesn't really learn anything. And- no, he learns things. He just learns all of the wrong lessons. Like, every wrong lesson you could make. Yep. That's the thing where it's like, if this was just, like, a kid's movie, this kid hangs out with a Godzilla's son and Godzilla, and he has, like, a lesson about standing up for yourself. It's like, all right, fine, that's not a good movie, but I could respect it like you're talking about. And then, like Adam was mentioning, the last 90 seconds of this movie completely fleshed that down the toilet. It's a sad, depressing look at oh, a child so who has no idea of how to actually function in society and actually becomes a worse person because of it. 
in the end, humanity is the real monster. Exactly. That's the message. <laughs> right. But before we get into like that depressing, weird turn the movie takes, um, there's only one new monster in this. Uh, it's Gabra, oh. who I think could affectionately be described as like if Godzilla got a horrible skin disease and lost his tail. Also grew oh, red my. hair for some reason as well. Bang, Raphael. <laughs> the turtles <laughs> I, maybe you know a, a bit of that um and gabra is this godzilla-sized monster who is a bully for Minia, which says a lot more about gabra than it does about Minia's attempts to like fight off and everyone's like come on fight your own battles like he's twice his size and like, well also no one else could have fought for gabra what was angiris doing what was rodan doing like none of the monsters but these monsters love to fight like why weren't they involved also, you couldn't come up with, like, a kid of one of those monsters, I guess? You couldn't have had, like, a baby, Anguirus, or whatever the fuck, fight Godzilla's kids. It's like, no, this grown man fighting this child in Godzilla kaiju terms. It's it's so weird. And not to mention the fact that Minya can also shrink down to the size of our kid character and talks to him very verbally, which I, I admittingly, I watched the sub versions of both these, but mm. I, the my first introduction to this movie at all was a clip I saw online of Minya saying, Godzilla told me to fight my own battles, you know, which was the only hey, way I knew about I this movie. I create my own legends. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous, but not maybe in a way that's necessarily that consistently entertaining, but at the very least, it's mercifully short. This is 69 minutes long. Yeah, oh, it's, thank it's, God. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it was just an hour, luckily. <laughs> I, I love the, oh, this car, it looks familiar. Wait, this is my car. <laughs> 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 what is this doing in my front seat? <laughs> and what are you doing writing the script in the back of the seat? <laughs> right, you know, who are you? This, I mean, dude, this fucking movie, and... Uh, you lost your license when you were looking down that hole earlier. How was he standing or whatever where his license fell out when he was looking down the hole? I mean, did he have it in his teeth? <laughs> like the other guy tickled him? <laughs> like, what the fuck happened? This movie is outrageously bad. Honestly, the thing that's, that shocked me most about this movie when I first watched it is just the fact that, like, I understand not having ties to Godzilla, and I think that could work, no, honestly, what this movie was going for. But the thing is, this movie really has no no set of certain film style to it, right? Like Hidorah, when you watch Hidorah, Hidorah has a very set style to it, has a set tone. Ghidorah has a set tone to it, and those early Shoah movies have a set tone. This movie doesn't really have a set tone. It's very inconsistent, and the the, the soundtrack uh, or the score doesn't really work itself any favors as well, because it kind of just plays at really the wrong moments, and... I don't know, it just kind of makes things seem more awkward. <laughs> yeah, because, like, the, the you mentioned Godzilla vs. Door, which some of you might know is Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, is uh, the one that would come after this and is an insane, trippy, early 70s acid movie that's incredibly interesting. It's also way more horror-driven. I love that, like, the movie after this stupid kitty one is one where a kid watches as a bunch of people are covered in sludge and turn into skeletons. That's how insane the series gets, is that you have such contrasting previous movies to the next movies at certain points like this. But, yeah, with Godzilla's Revenge, becomes kiddie at certain points, but also it feels way too dark for children whenever you have, like, the burglars who are kidnapping this child inside of this abandoned factory that looks dilapidated. And at any time, this kid could probably either be killed by these burglars or crushed by some sort of falling scaffolding. 
And it's it's honestly just like bums me out just watching this kid escape into fantasy whenever he isn't around any parental figures at all. Which leads into the ending, which we definitely need to talk about, is the kid ends up saving himself from these burglars through, like, inspiration of Menio using his fucking smoke thing after his... By the way, Godzilla being an incredibly abusive piece of shit parent. Like, Godzilla is uh-huh. an awful parent to this child at any point. He ends up uh, saving himself from these burglars. Then it cuts to him the next morning as his mother, who had to work that night, which is why she wasn't around, being so apologetic. Like, I'm so sorry I'll never work again at night just because I, I want to make sure that you're safe. And he's like, don't worry, I can fight my own battles, you know. I am I can protect myself. And then he leaves. Then she cries over the stove. Yeah. It's so fucking depressing. It's just like uh-huh. this woman realizes, like, I've lost my son. I've completely lost my son. I couldn't protect him, and I'm such an ineffective parent. And then he goes out and has this fight with these the bullies that show up again that the entire time had happened. I'm like, is my computer buffering? Because it's cut in a way that makes me think that it's just, like, really bad video quality. He's like, no, I f- fuck you all. I'm going to beat you up like this. But then he does the peer pressure thing that he chickened out of doing, where he honks the horn on the bike of this guy who's, like, painting a sign, which causes that guy to fall over and be covered in white paint. And that dude rightfully chases that kid down like, hey, you caused this to happen, you piece of shit. And this kid runs over to his dad, who's working at the train tracks, and is like, hey, this is totally my fault, but can you completely solve my problem? And Uh this parent who says, like, oh, man, I work all this time because I have to work hard so we can keep our apartment afloat and my family together, has to probably pay for that dude's clothes and his paint and everything else. So that's how the movie ends. Yep, and of course, you did it, baby! The kids, <laughs> for some reason, they keep saying that. It's just, yeah, what a terrible little shit this kid turns out to be. Like you said, he learned lessons, just none of them the right ones. I fucking hate this kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted Manila to eat him. You know what I mean? Like, something happened to him. He's just a terrible, terrible little shit stain of a human. And, uh... Frankly, I'm angry at you, Thomas, for picking this. It's all your fault. No one suggested um, this to me at I, all. <laughs> no one did. Because I've obviously watched this movie so many times. I, it was honestly one of the first introductions to Godzilla I've had when I was younger. And it, it's understandable why, because it's like you have your main character being this child, right? And you watch it at that age. It, it's a very, like, um, aggressive, and, but very, like, interesting uh, movie that depicts uh, uh, childhood so I wound up gravitating toward it, but as I got older, I hated it. And then when I got older, I wound up coming back around. Just like this is a movie that's very much was rushed. It's a movie that was rushed. It was a movie that had like a, a script that was so rough. Like the the dialogue for the parents feels very stilted and doesn't feel right. It needed way more time in the oven, and that's why I felt bad for uh, uh, Honda because it's like Honda clearly wanted to make something that was more harmful than what was depicted here because. This is just very, it just felt very disingenuous by the end. And I don't think that was obviously the intent. And whatever groundwork was there, I can at least say, like, I like the weird scenes where, like, he's interacting with those little little satellite box and whatnot. Like, he's doing stuff like that. I thought that stuff was endearing. It's just where it goes, I think, in the second half of the movie and how it, it, like, ties into burglars. I think it loses sight of that, especially loses sight of that at the very end with just knocking down the, the guy's paint and, like, almost basically might as well be, like, have broken that guy's back, 
um, considering the length he was falling at. Like, that dude must have been ser- seriously injured. Like, it's more disappointing that it, it is, like, for me, like, uh, something I can be angry at anymore. Uh, but that's just my own personal perspective, and that's where I'm at in terms of, like, my when I, when it comes to rewatching these movies, because a lot of the short era stuff I don't really hate as much anymore. Um, like, the only one I do is Terror Megan Godzilla, and oh my god. <laughs> to close in on this movie, it's... As a lot of imagination thought put into it, but no concrete execution and an execution that completely backfires on it. Yeah, uh, to, to say the least, I guess. So I guess we're doing final thoughts then. Uh, Adam, your final thoughts. Especially because I want to hear you, because I saw that mm. you actually watched this with your daughter at a certain point. Was she consistently entertained with this or not? She watched the whole thing. And I mean, she's going to be four, so she's really young. But she loved it. She, she was calling it the dinosaur movie. <laughs> She absolutely loved it. In fact, she sat and watched most of Ghidorah with me because I said, oh, it's another dinosaur movie. So, I mean, she loved it. I hated it. But no. So, I mean, that's it's kind of cool for that, that it might have opened up, you know, a little bit of an avenue to where now I can watch Godzilla movies with my kid. And maybe it would do that for other people, too. You know, piggyback on what Sam was saying, like it stars a little kid. There's toy maker in it, blah, blah, blah. But it's just when he knocks over Cowboy Sign Painter, like, it just really fucking takes a dip. I mean, just a nosedive right off the edge at the very end, and it kind of cheats you out of anything that you just watched. So I personally don't enjoy it. I don't think people of an older generation who maybe hadn't seen it as a child before would enjoy it. And I, I mean, fuck that kid. Fuck all kids. Except for mine. Mine's a little pretty princess. But all kids. Fuck them. Destroy all kids, basically. <laughs> yes, all kids. That's, Destroy all kids. That's Adam's kaiju film coming in 2025. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I I guess I mostly agree with Adam, though. The only entertainment I really got out of this was the dark world spinning that I did with this. Of just like, man, this is such a sad portrait of an abandoned child who has no, <laughs> no influence around him whatsoever to rein him in on his weird fantasies. Um, that that's the most entertainment I really got because it is it's like Sam said it's especially just so totally inconsistent and if it was more of a consistent like dumb kids movie thing I'd probably be more endeared to it it made me respect Soft Godzilla a bit more which I also watched like right before and I have a lot of issues with just especially how Minya is kind of treated in a similar abused fashion in that movie but at the very least that movie had a more consistent tone and has some very beautiful moments like especially the ending shot um, of that movie is really touching um, in a way that it almost didn't quite deserve. But at the same time, with like Godzilla's Revenge, this doesn't deserve much of any attention at all because of how much it like splices in older footage and even the new footage is so poorly put together. Like we didn't talk much about the actual Gabara fight oh. with Godzilla um, and his lame electrical powers and shit. Um, and there's a point where he gets catapulted, which was oh. very funny. <laughs> I would not say it's my least favorite of the Godzilla movies though, because. I have more issue with stuff like, obviously, there's the 98 Godzilla, or controversial opinion, I really hate Shin Godzilla, the most recent Japanese one. I thought that was such a bore that was endlessly long of a slog. Um, Or even there was um, the 1984 Godzilla that I actually watched with Sam, and that one I also find just, like, so dour. At the very least, this one has an energetic speed to it that it won't be that much of a waste of your time, but it also won't stick with you except for, like we mentioned, the punctuation point that turns us from a cute kids movie to a movie that does not teach kids any sort of lesson that they should take to heart at all. It's a bad influence on your children. The one good thing I would generally say about this movie is when the kid is listing off 
all the monsters like Monda and and Gorosaurus and stuff. Like it's so fun to actually look back on that and think about where those monsters actually came from. So wait, the the best thing about this movie is a Wikipedia list of all the monsters. Yeah, because like here's the thing. <laughs> That's why I love this universe so much because it's not just well these monsters are just here just for the sake of it no there's actual history behind these monsters and their individual appearances for god's sakes like Varon shows up in one scene in like destroy monsters i don't know if he's in this one um i don't remember but like he shows up in one scene of destroy monsters but like he has his own movie like that fucker has his own movie and he's there for one like one shot like what the fuck (laughs) we get we we love the godzilla cinematic universe as much as you do sam obviously um but at the same time none of them really compare to giant condor no right none of them no none of them none of them at all ever no and on that note praising our god giant condor that is the end of our discussion of our two godzilla movies but we still got uh some stuff to say before we do our picking for next week's episode at the very end so stay tuned for that uh, first, we have some feedback we want to read, because over at DEDB Pod, which is our Facebook and Twitter page, uh, every Monday we ask you all, hey, what's your favorite or least favorite thing related to a particular uh, topic that we're doing? And uh, we have some feedback about the Godzilla films, asking you guys about your favorite and least favorite ones. Uh, Brian Kane says, I feel like Shin Godzilla is the first since the original to make him feel like a legitimate threat. Most of what that movie was going for is um, inevitably going to be lost in translation, though. Um, Godzilla's Revenge, a.k.a. All Monsters Attack, is terrible, schlocky, full of bad ideas, and is a must-see. Shane Steele says, Favorites, uh, toss-up between Destroy All Monsters and Final Wars. Uh, worst Godzilla 1998. And then James Rodriguez says, uh, Apart from the 2014 movie, Godzilla is one of my few major cinematic blind spots. Um, so I'll say my favorite use of him was in Bambi Meets Godzilla, which is worthy for every minute of the film. Clever, James. Quite clever. Uh, I, I clapped. <laughs> you clap like Godzilla claps after Rodan gets covered in silk. Yeah, or when he's being shot up King Kong. Yes, uh, but w- w- are there any other ones that you'd want to spotlight, Sam, that weren't mentioned here amongst favorites or at least favorites? Um, like, not to get, like, because I-, I hate All Our Monsters Attack with, with Godzilla's Revenge. And by the way, both titles make no fucking sense. But regardless of that, a giant, like, All Our Monsters Attack, I think, well, GMK is like to call it the uh, early 2000s Godzilla Mothra Ghidorah Baragon movie. Uh, worth checking out. It's from the director of one of the 90s Goods, uh, Gamera Movies, I think it's the third one, Revenge of Iris. I could be wrong. So we're checking out. Perhaps my favorite Godzilla movie. Um, and that's also, that's the one where Godzilla has like the white pupil this eyes. The, right? the white eyes. And, and what I personally argue is a better rendition of what Shin Godzilla is going for, personally. Um, yeah, that's a I, terrifying design that really works for him in that movie. It, it really works what for him. What is this also... one called again? Say it again. Okay, this is Sam. This is a very long title. It's so a very it. long title. So it's GMK, Godzilla, Mothra, King of Ghidorah, All Out Monsters Attack. All right, <laughs> I will try to find this it's, one. It's just just put an all monster attack. And the thing that I hate about Godzilla's Revenge is just like uh, a titles don't make any sense, and b that gets mixed up with um, uh, all out monsters attack. It's it's one word that throws it off, and I hate it because it's like it's all monsters attack, and there's all out monsters attack. It's all out monsters. All out monsters attack is the one you want to watch. Personally, for me, like. Godzilla vs. Destroya is really fun. That's a really uh, interesting movie and has like one of the coolest suits ever for Godzilla, the, the nuclear melt- meltdown suit. And also Destroya is, a, I think, a great monster design. It's basically it's like Satan kaiju, right? It, it's basically Satan. Um, yeah. But it works so well because it, it, it's the antithesis of the oxygen destroyer, basically. 
And then for uh, Godzilla against Megazilla, I think is is fantastic. Like it takes the concept of Megazilla and and try and does it in a way that's more in line with something like let's say if you're familiar with like Neon Genesis Evangelion, it's similar to that, but done in a way that totally works for it and has a great central um, woman protagonist. Right, and keep in mind this is Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla, as opposed Mecha- to Godzilla versus Godzilla, which is oh. the earlier one. And Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla two from the nineties. So yeah, <laughs> I love these titles. These, these titles are great. It's the equivalent of the Dragon Z movie titles that go on for way too long. So that's why I just call it movie twelve or thirteen, whatever. Yeah, basically keep an eye on those movies, and obviously the Shore stuff. I recommend checking almost all of that stuff because it's at least interesting. There's not one. If you at least have one movie you'll adore in that series. Like it's the most consistent. As of recently, um, I'm hoping that Kingdom Monsters uh, lives up to uh, the, the anticipation that comes with it. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting with like the 2014 movie. Um, Adam, where do you stand on that? Because I don't think we've ever talked about that. What did you feel about the 2014 Godzilla? Uh, needed more Brian Cranston, less Aaron Taylor Johnson, more Godzilla. Yep. Uh, there was not nearly enough Godzilla in it. And the Mutos were so fucking stupid. The Mutos were a big problem in that they were not very original. Like, they were obviously, like, they like the way they were created are very much that of, like, the Cloverfield monster. Yeah, of other pre- Pre- pre-existing monsters, even like Gaios, Rodan, Gigan. It's just like, just just get the licensed to acquire those monsters and put them in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. How, and if you're going to make your own original monster, do like what the original draft for the 98 Godzilla was going to do and just include like some mythological creatures like the Griffin, which was going to be the monster that Godzilla was going to fight in that movie, but it never happened. So just do something weird like that. Don't don't try and like make it like, well, we couldn't clearly get the rights to this monster, so we'll put in a monster that looks similar to it. Like, don't don't do that. And I think at this point, though, with, like, Godzilla 98, I think the wound has healed enough in terms of, like, that's a bad movie. It's a bad but... movie, but it's not the worst, I would say. Like, What there's... would you say is the worst Godzilla movie? Oh, Terror Mega Godzilla, easily. Here's the thing. I'm will... I I personally adore Gideon, even with the substantial issues, like the Reese of stock footage. It ta- like, it, they just reuse half of the stock footage from fucking Mega Godzilla and substitute it for, like, half of the movie. And, like, there's this very dry human plot that like is so unwatchable it's so dry and just drab to watch and even with titanosaurus who shows up for two scenes it's still not worth watching it's just so incredibly boring and that's one of the ones on the criterion collection uh-huh. yeah that i could watch right now so it's right up there guys with um blood simple um umbrellas of <laughs> sherberg terror of godzilla <laughs> I, I I guess I mean yeah, yeah maybe it's worth rewatching. I don't know. I I say don't. Perhaps sound advice to avoid that in our Godzilla marathon. Um, but we also had some feedback that came in right um after we recorded about our Will Smith episode uh, from two people who've previously been on the show. Uh, Scott Johnson says for his favorite Will Smith movies, uh, Men in Black for sure, and he's really solid in Ali. For bad, um, I would say the worst thing he's slapped his name on is Shark Tale, but my least favorite performance of his is in Bright. Lance Langford of the Horror Returns podcast says, uh, Bad Boys, Hitch, and Hancock were all fun. Wawa West was an abortion. I enjoyed his serious role in Enemy of the State, and he had no business ever being in the dreadful Suicide Squad. Yeah, I can pretty much agree with most of those. I, I'm not a Hitch fan. I like the half of Hancock. But, uh, yeah, Shark Tale's terrible and we discussed suicide squad last episode it was just a bummer of a movie shark tale is such a cursed movie to look at nowadays because like you just see will smith's face 
you see Rene Zellweger's face just plastered on those fish. And it's so weird and silly to look that. It's a, an equivalent of, like, Seaman from the Dreamcast. Yeah, right. I agree. <laughs> Even when I was a child and I was more of the target audience for that movie, it was still just unsettling. But I was just like, oh, they did Shrek. Shrek hasn't proved me wrong. I love Shrek because I'm fucking 12 and it's mm-hmm. the early 2000s. And, uh, yeah, uh, that movie's also just has such a strange ensemble cast. Where, like, Martin Scorsese plays a puffer fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he does. And it has his face on it. <laughs> I know. I don't know why they put their faces on there. The only one like who I... doesn't really have their face plastered on is Jack Black. That's, to be fair, he's a shark, so... But that doesn't excuse, like, Robert De Niro plays his dad shark, and it has Robert De Niro's face on oh, it. Oh, you're right. Kids kids remember Robert De Niro. <laughs> you all, yeah, they're, like, you all love Godfather jokes and Goodfellas jokes. Kids will eat that shit up. They love it. Right, exactly. And I think it's just, a, that movie was the, sort of the epitome of, like, DreamWorks was infamous for doing this when it first started. About, like, oh, hey, uh, we're gonna do the... Robin Williams Aladdin thing and we're going to promote the fact that our stars are doing our voices rather than the animation and this was sort of like the weird point where that melded into one horrible like melted crayon of putting their faces on the actual animated characters but anyway um, so <laughs> thank you all for that feedback we also want to thank uh, Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music using our show uh, listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com uh, thanks to Emily Scarda for the art for our show. Uh, she accepts commissions at 502rs.com slash eescarda. And Sam, usually you don't have much to promote on the show, but since you've been on, you are now a self-published author. Is that correct? Uh, yes. I have a new book out. It's called The Quietest Breaker Brother Death. It is part of a trilogy I've been working on for a while. And this is the first book that's out. Check it out when you have the chance. It's basically a book that's all about exploring the uh, business underside of the the underworld, basically, uh, followed through the lens of this young, very witty uh, young woman named Joanna Collins, who one day accidentally gets shot while working a shift at a retail store in Colorado and gets sent to the underworld with a bunch of weird, uh, sentient creatures who send her toward this place called Domain 224. And she sees a bunch of weird stuff. Like there's a trolley that's self-automated. There's also this wash that has, that actually has supernatural elements to it. And does a lot of crazy stuff. Um, It's overall a very eccentric book that um, I hope people can check out and let me know how they feel about it. Just, Whenever, whenever you have the time, just leave a review on Amazon and just any sort of feedback is very much appreciated on it because uh, that's how I grow as an as a writer. That's how I grow as a self-publisher. And overall, um, expect to see more uh, in the next few years. And I also have a blog called Belging Lizard. And basically, I'll be putting up posts almost every week uh, regarding to my craft, how I made the book, and also just, just dumb stuff like... I do some a weekly series called Bad Animal Poetry about like certain subsections of animals. Like last edition was about uh, ringtail lemur, the slow loris, and the the ii or aa whatever it's pronounced. And I go into weird sort of tangential stuff about these these animals that are are initially fact based and then steer off into tangents as I usually do with my uh, uh, <laughs> whenever I talk. So. If you want to have a good time, there's that, and of course, the the book. Yes, yeah, so that's loungingblizzard.blog is the blog, and then the name of the book is, once again, The Quietest Breaker, colon, brother, death. Um, yeah. and yes. 
Yes, and I'm glad that you decided to take your first and only step on your book tour a month after the book came out <laughs> to, to promote it here on this incredibly popular show. Oh, yeah, to reach tens of people. Tens, if you exclude the zero. Yes. <laughs> Just you. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> buy another copy of your books. <laughs> oh, boy, I can't wait to buy another five copies of this book. Wait a minute. I bought these copies. <laughs> But no, I'm 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 really glad you're doing that, and uh, especially I have read a lot of stuff on the Lounging Lizard blog, and the the bad animal poetry is quite fun. Yes. Yeah, get a better literary agent, so you can appear at different places than this place. But my literary agent is just my local chipmunk. <laughs> chipmunk, who should I promote this with? Double edge, double bill. Exactly. Exactly. That's, That's the place. Yep. For sure. <laughs> Um, but you can also follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, we are on at DEDBpod, as I mentioned previously. Um, you can also email us at doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com, or you can follow my own individual account at NotTheWho'sTommy um, on Twitter and Instagram as well. And I write stuff at MarianiThomas.wordpress.com. And you can also hear me on the latest edition of the Horror Returns podcast, where I talk about the new release Brightburn and also Superman the Movie starring Christopher Reeve. Excellent. I am excited for Brightburn. Um, and you can find Adam, um, I believe, storming through Tokyo, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. No. I'm depressed all the time. I usually just stay <laughs> in my room. Just like the giant condor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, no, he stays in his room and dreams about the giant condor. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's his biggest parental influence, the giant condor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> officially raised him and uh, make sure to please subscribe to us on itunes for more content like that or on uh, stitcher on spotify on youtube you can find the show there and rate review the show in any of those places to give us more visibility so we can get some kind of attention for a poor starved for attention boy that just loves the giant condor like adam god yes <laughs> well uh before you cry yourself into sleep again for this fifth evening in a row um let us do our picking for next week's episode which uh, in honor of um x-men dark phoenix coming out um uh, no, we're not doing x-men no. uh, movies no um we instead are doing movies about troubled productions because uh that movie has gone through various different release dates and reshoots uh not as much as its sister film x-men new mutants which is still unreleased after like three years i think of not being released I I honestly, dude, I'm going to be very surprised if it ever hits the theaters. I would see way more luck coming out on the Disney streaming service, the Disney Plus. That's or Hulu now, because they own Hulu. Right, of course, it could go to either of those places. But um, because of all the troubled productions going on with X-Men movies, we are covering movies that have had sort of development hell troubled productions, which uh, can add interesting context to movies that are sometimes already great or are much more interesting because of how terrible the productions were. Yeah, this was an interesting one. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what two movies we get, because I have the two good movies, and you have the two bad ones, Adam. And basically, at the end of every show, if you're new, um, each of us assigns these two movies we have, number between 1 and 10, and the other picks number between 1 and 10 in order to see which good and then bad movie we do as our double feature for the next episode. But when we have a guest like Sam, they go ahead and pick numbers between 1 and 10. So Sam, for my two good movies... Number two, one, and ten. Uh, I'm going to go with my usual number four. All right. At number five, I have an obscure one, but um, one that I'm very... 
curious to talk about. It's a 2017 film called The Evil Within, which has no relation at all to the video game. To the video game, yeah. Right. And is instead, it's a movie that was made by Andrew Getty, who is one of the grandson heirs to J. Paul Getty of All the Money in the World. And this was the movie that he toiled over making for about 15 years in his mansion. Oh, is this the one where he died, like killed himself or died right before it came out? He died right before it came out, yes. And so they end up finishing production. It has Michael Berryman in it. Um, yeah. And, right. And it has another person who died long before the movie was ever released in it as well. Um, so that'll be a bit interesting, to say the least. Huh. I never actually got around to seeing this one. So, yeah, I'm definitely curious about this one. I'm not even sure how necessarily good it is as much as it's a fascinating view into the mind of one particular auteur. <laughs> As yeah. well, just putting himself onto the screen. I think it's a really interesting movie. But, of course, at number one, I had another very interesting movie that, despite being so critically lauded, did have an infamously troubled production, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, they, that, wow. Yeah, I would never pick that. That's a good one. I'm actually more excited about The Evil Within just because I remember reading about it. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Excellent. Oh, boy. Well, now for his two bad movies, Sam. Alright, too bad? Well, let's see. How about we go with a whopping number seven? At number eight. Thomas, I'm so sorry. Fifty Shades of Grey. Wait, really? Yeah. Does that, does that fit into the trouble production thing, though? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. That movie was in production for quite a while. It had Charlie Hunnam was originally cast, and then he dropped out. And then someone else was really cast, and they dropped out. It went through a bunch of different people. Yeah. Come on now, buddy. What do you think I'm doing here? Well, what was your other choice? The Lone Ranger. Damn. I mean, either either way, it would have been really fucked on this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I know. I kind of went for the gut. I'm sorry. It's a very, it's a very evil decision being made here. I really did. There, there's, a, there's a lot of insidious evil that will be coming from our next episode. Uh, but thank you for picking, Sam, and thanks for... Uh, Doing this, so why don't we go ahead and just storm off into the waters so we can return to our kaiju keeps. Off into the underwater depths I go to eat my pantry full of some chips. Long live the giant condor. Long live the giant condor. <laughs> 